Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're going to fly, we fly like eagles. Hey, good morning. It's hour two of Mornings with Carmen here on the Faith Radio Network. I'm Carmen LaBerge. If those of you just uh, tuning in, maybe, I don't know, for the very first time in the state of Missouri, welcome. Welcome, Missouri, uh, to the Faith Radio family. Um, maybe you're saying to yourself, hey, uh, I, uh, I, I don't know about you guys. Well, we'd love for you to know more about the Faith Radio family, of which you are now a part. So you can visit us at MyFaithRadio.com. Um, you can text the word welcome, text the word welcome to 877-933-2484. I highly recommend you just go ahead and put that number in your phone. You could put it under Mornings with Carmen. You could put it under Afternoons with Bill Arnold. You could put it under uh, Susie Larson, like whatever. It's because those are the three of us you're going to be talking with uh, throughout the day here live on Faith Radio. If you text the word welcome to 877-933-2484, we're going to send you a welcome pack. How fun is that? Maybe you're saying, you know what? I've been a part of the Faith Radio family for a really long time, and I never got a welcome pack. Hey, we'd love to send you one. So just text the word welcome to 877-933-2484. We'll uh, bring you up to speed on who we are, what we're doing, how you can uh, get engaged and involved. It is a family affair, and, uh, and so we're so glad you are now a part of it, and we're talking together. So we bring the mind of Christ to bear on the headline news of the day here on Mornings with Carmen. And we do that uh, through a conversational, uh, I don't know, plan, pattern, system. It's not a system. That's, that gives it way too much. Uh, yeah. It, Paul Perot, who is the producer of the show. Could we hear your lilting voice? Good Hello. Morning, good morning. Mm-hmm. Paul and I um, work diligently to bring conversations to the fore that we hope are encouraging to you. Maybe get you thinking about what you're thinking about and thinking about how you're thinking about what you're thinking about in order that you can apply the mind of Christ to all that's going on in the world. To what end? So that you can walk your faith out into the world that God so loves and do so in ways that honor Jesus. That's the heart of what we're doing here. And so uh, jumping into a couple of the headlines today, former President Donald Trump um, announced on uh, his social platform that he has received a target letter from special counsel Jack Smith. That is leading the headline news um, in most outlets today. Uh, and everybody put on their team jerseys and made exactly the kinds of responses to it that you would expect. And if you are fatigued by the team jerseys and the just the division um, that is happening between the in the two-party system here in the United States and how little actual positive uh, progress is made... There's a stalemate on many, many things. If you're frustrated by that, um, you might want to check out No Labels. No Labels has launched uh, a 2024 third-party presidential campaign. Now, they don't have a candidate. They haven't They haven't named a candidate. They probably have a candidate, but they haven't named a candidate. Um, it's worth checking out what they're doing and reading in on it or listening in on it 
um, because 70 percent of Americans say they would really prefer someone other than the current leading candidates for the major two parties. Um, We had an event take place uh, that is historic. It hasn't happened since the 1960s. A member of the U.S. military has defected to North Korea. That is going to be an ongoing story, a U.S. Army private. He was being held in South Korea on assault charges. He was facing additional military discipline action in Texas, and they were working to bring him back to the United States. And somehow, while in the airport, he um, he got with a tour group that was going to the uh, demilitarized zone between North and South Korea. And then once he got to the DMZ, he just walked across the border into North Korea and uh, and defected. So uh, that hasn't happened for many, many years. And so that will be an interesting unfolding story as well. Um, we've got a lot going on in the world. And many, many people are talking about Israel in no small part because uh, Israeli President Herzog has been here in the United States and is going to be delivering an address to a joint meeting of Congress later today. Um, And again, that will be one of those opportunities for people to put on their um, partisan jerseys and make all kinds of statements about Israel. And I just think it's important for us to be mindful that the modern secular nation of Israel or state of Israel is not the same thing as the biblical nation of Israel. Um, and so keeping those keeping those things separate in our minds, a modern secular Jewish state of Israel and a biblical nation of Israel uh, governed by the character and the ways and the laws of God, it, it's, they are different realities. And so just keeping being mindful of that uh, in the conversations of the day, I think is helpful. Bill English is going to be back uh, for another conversation about Daniel, one of the great characters of the Old Testament. If you are like many, many, many Americans, you are um, going to work today for a boss who, um, well, doesn't always live up to um, what we might hope. Like, right, you might be going to work for a boss who is mean or irritable or is different behind the scenes than they are in public. Um And maybe your boss still claims to be a Christian. It's complex, right? Our relationships with our bosses are complex. Well, Bill has written a book on it, Working for a Difficult Boss. And we're going to continue our conversation with Bill English from BibleandBusiness.com about Daniel and, um, and what we can learn from Daniel about working for difficult bosses today. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Our friend Bill English is back from BibleOnBusiness.com. Bill, good morning. Hey, good morning, Carmen. How are you? I'm well. I'm going to read you three key points from a uh, Psychology Today piece that just dropped. One in five U.S. employees report working in a toxic environment. Workers in toxic environments are twice as likely to report fair or poor mental health. And only 43% of employees um, actually have health insurance with coverage for mental health and substance abuse disorders. So not getting into the insurance concerns here so much, but at least 20% of us work in toxic environments. Um, More like, you know, more like 25% of us, right, Um, talk about working, working for a difficult boss. So there's a lot of folks listening right now who work for a difficult boss. Could you could you speak to them? 
Yeah, uh, it, it's not uncommon to have a difficult boss. Uh, difficult bosses uh, tend to be highly emotional. They can uh, be erratic. Moody is what some people would describe them. Uh, they can fly off on a rage. Um, and, you know, <clears throat> the thing about difficult bosses is that maybe 90, 95% of the time, these highly talented, very successful people are really good to work with. But that 5 or 10% of the time when they flip into the difficult boss mode uh, is so negative that the, that that minority time outweighs the majority uh, time when it when it comes to working with them in terms of how people experience their overall job satisfaction, job happiness, that kind of thing. And um, and so that this is this is not uncommon. It happens in churches, especially in larger churches with highly controlling senior pastors. It happens in ministries and it happens in for-profit and nonprofit uh, corporations. Well, and it happens in government. Um, uh, I was thinking in preparation for this yeah. conversation, it's been like 10 days ago that, you know, President Biden has described, you know, like as an old yeller. Uh, I mean, people don't want to meet with him behind closed doors. They don't want to be with him behind closed doors by themselves. They avoid meeting with him alone. That sounds like a difficult boss. Um, so let's let's put ourselves in the shoes of one of those individuals. How, as a Christian, do I operate um, as an employee with a difficult boss? You know, you you operate. Um, well, first of all, you have to know that you are called to be in that job in order to stay in it and be successful. Because mm -hmm. these jobs, these bosses are incredibly difficult uh, to work with. I've had people, after publishing the book, I've had people come up and say to me, Bill, I was in this, I was, I worked with a difficult boss for two years or three years. Mm -hmm. And my spouse would keep, you know, would keep saying, why are you there? Why don't you leave? Please quit, you know? And they'd say, no, God wants me there. So, uh, the first thing is you have to know that God has called you. The second thing uh, that I think you need is very is, is a little bit of a backbone here, and you need some very clear communication with your boss. You set boundaries around what your boss is allowed to uh, say to you, how your boss is allowed to treat you, and <clears throat> and then you back it up with uh, a lot of competence, if I can put it that way. These difficult bosses tend to be highly talented people who, um, like I said earlier, are very successful. They didn't get there by being slouches, right? They got there because they mm -hmm. know what they're doing and they know how to do it. And so uh, these bosses um, respect competence in the workplace. And so you you increase your professional uh, abilities, your your competence, you know what you're doing, you produce an excellent work product which is exactly what Daniel did, by the way. And over time, your bosses will come to respect you and will treat you better than perhaps they treat other people on your team. So good. We're going to continue our conversation with Bill English here in just a moment. Do you have a difficult boss? Are you having a difficult time in work because of your difficult boss? Um, and we're going to talk about what it looks like to manage ourselves and then manage in every other uh, direction as well. And Daniel is the exemplar here. Um, Bill's new book, Working for a Difficult Boss, is, is an examination of the life of Daniel. And so what can we learn from Daniel about working 
for a difficult boss, how to actually thrive um, by managing ourselves better. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks so much for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Hey, I'm Susie Larson. Hey, if you enjoy what you're listening to here, would you consider subscribing to other great faith radio podcasts like mine? Search Susie Larson Live at myfaithradio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit subscribe and have a great day. Continuing our conversation with our friend Bill English from BibleandBusiness.com. We're talking about his new book, Working for a Difficult Boss. Um, And we have these life lessons from Daniel. So um, let's unpack this a little bit, Uh, Bill. Talk with us about managing ourselves and how managing ourselves is really, really the key here to managing in every other direction. Yeah, this, you know, this actually uh, comes to me from Bowen Family Theory. Um, the audience, at least the audience in Missouri, we're, we're meeting each other for the first time. And I was a psychologist for a number of years, and now I, I work in business. Um, managing yourself is the way that you manage anxiety or tension in a relationship. Most people react to anger, to anxiety, to tension uh, emotionally. And and what he taught and what I believe, and it's baked into the book, you'll see it ambiently, is that the the more you manage yourself and manage yourself better, uh, the, the less anxiety and tension that you will have in a relationship. And the reason for that is because when you manage yourself better, you tend to have more clear communication. You tend to think more clearly and more logically rather than emotionally. And you tend to um, uh, do it in such a way that you continue to show a basic amount of respect to the other person, even if they're not acting respectably, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, this harkens back a little bit to uh, 1 Peter 2, uh, verses 13 to 25, where where Peter talks about uh, submitting to authority, and when that authority asks you to sin, you obey God rather than the authority um, and in and, and that way, you are behaving commendably before God. All of that takes a, a certain amount of, uh, of self-management. You can't be acting out of emotion or rage or frustration or other things. Uh, you manage yourself better, and as a result, as a result the, the, the situation goes better for you. We talk about um, self-management, you know, there's the self-awareness component, I think, that's huge in this. And there's the that self-awareness is not just what I'm thinking and feeling, but then how to regulate um, my response. Um, I mean, how to like genuinely think about what I'm going to say and how I'm going to say it and how that's going to affect others. And um, there's a lot of folks not operating out of yeah that sen- that that sense of how powerful i am just by my physical presence in a space and what's going on in me like right my my emotions are contagious can be yeah in, in, in both ways and so yeah. the spirit of god lives in us and so when we're in a situation we are bringing christ into that situation like you said by our mere presence so one of the things that I, I try to coach people on when they're highly, when when things get kind of highly emotional, 
you have to be internally honest with yourself about what you're feeling, but then you kind of, in terms of reacting or thinking about how you're going to say things, you kind of slow down. Mm. Slow down is the part here. And you, you think through just for half a second or a second, maybe two, how you're going to say things or what you're going to say. And then you, and, and then you respond more out of reason than you do out of emotion. It's, it's that emotional response, Carmen, that, that entraps people into saying things that they shouldn't say. And the, the enemy prompts us to sin basically. And, uh, and then, and after we're trapped and then backtracking, walking all that back becomes much, much more difficult. Mm, so good. Um, we don't have time to totally unpack managing down, managing out, managing up, obviously. Um, but, right. but maybe address one of those, maybe, um, maybe address managing up because if I'm working for a difficult boss, there's obviously, you know, that upward direction is one I'm concerned about for sure. Yeah. Managing up in my book means understanding how your boss is measured, what your boss is bonused on, or what your boss um, is really interested in, and then aligning some, not all, but some of your activities and cycles with what will help your boss achieve his or her goals. Uh, not a lot of people think about um, uh, getting to know their boss well enough that they understand the boss's um, uh, agendas, the boss's uh, what's going on in their day kind of thing. But when you take a long step back and you look at what stewardship actually is, it's not, it's not, it's so much more than, than good money management. Stewardship at its core is about understanding the master's intentions and agendas for what the master has entrusted to you. And so uh, just like um, we try to get to know the heart of God so that we can uh, faithfully represent him and faithfully carry out his agenda on this earth, managing up in the business world means getting to know your boss well enough that you're actually helping your boss succeed. And I promise you, when you do that, the dynamic between you and your boss will fundamentally change. And that difficult boss may not be as difficult to you moving forward. Now, what is my boss measuring and how is my boss being measured? What do they value? What are they trying to achieve? How can I help them um, achieve that? Those are all, those, those are so good. Those are all so good. Um, Bill, thank you as always so much. Um, Bill's got a ton of stuff that he is working on and, uh, and podcasts that he's posting on a YouTube channel. You can connect with all of it at bibleandbusiness.com. Consider joining him specifically on YouTube, Bible and Business. Again, Bill, thanks so much today for being with us. You bet, Carmen. You have a good day. Thank you. You too. Absolutely. All right. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Let's take a moment to uh, hear Breakpoint with John Stone Street. Are you uh, church hurt? Are you church frustrated? Are you church exhausted? Do you wonder, like, how, how did we get here? Do you say to yourself, I, I'm not, I, I, I haven't left my church, but my church has left me? 
Are you one of the people who text me like the crazy things that are happening in the life of your congregation? And you, you, just, you can't even believe things that are not only coming from the pulpit, but maybe coming from the denomination. Yeah, you're not alone. You're not alone. Um, Todd Hunter's not only been there, he lives there. He is uh, an Anglican bishop. He has thrown himself on the couch of religious despair a number of times. He's also full of hope. He not only believes in Jesus, he believes that the church is still the way that God intends to um, bring life and transformation. So we're going to talk with Todd Hunter next. The book is What Jesus Intended, Finding True Faith in the Rubble of Bad Religion. Todd will be here next. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. All right, we're talking with Bishop Todd Hunter. And you say to yourself, I don't know, does that mean he has a big fancy hat and an ermine cape? We're about to find out. Todd, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Hi, Carmen. Thanks so much. And no, darn it, I don't have a big hat. No, no big hat. How about an ermine cape? That's that whole no, cannon oh, crowd, right? I know. Yeah, I mm-hmm. just, I just did not get mm-hmm. that lucky. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so talk with us because now you know that sounds like a big fancy title, and so yeah. ta- talk, talk with us about the church. That's the conversation that we want to have. Mm-hmm. The book, the book is what Jesus intended: finding true faith in the rubble of bad religion. It doesn't even have the word church in it. Yeah. Well, I. I was converted in the Jesus movement in Southern California when I was 19 years old and I'm 67. So that's a long time. You can do the math. That's going on 50 years. And I've been a leader in the church since I was 19. So I've been doing this a long time. And I just have noticed, Carmen, if I'm going to be honest, there's just so much heartbreak, as you know, and disappointment and confusion and, you know, sociologists telling us about the nuns and the duns and the skeptics and people fleeing the church, especially after COVID and all that. And I'm essentially a pastor, maybe evangelist at heart. And in this book, I'm just trying to give people um, a fresh hearing of Jesus based on what he thought was important, what he intended, what his aims were. So first of all, you um, this is very aligned with a conversation that we have been having over the course of months now with Jeff Christofferson. Um, the mm. novel is Once You See. And so you are, um, you are talking about something that is... It's on our hearts. It's on our minds. It's on our hearts. We don't want to be people who just, quote, go to church. We are not satisfied with that. That is Mm -hmm. not enough. We know it's not what God intends in terms of our being the church. We, We know we have giftings. We know we have callings. And we have no sense that those are being used to their fullness or to the maximizing of God's kingdom advancement. So can you help us? Well, you know, just think of the phrase, uh, go to church. Um, it, you know, it's not really found in the scriptures. I mean, somebody's going to say, well, you know, what about Hebrews? It says, you know, don't forsake gathering together. And of course, that's true. And n- not me for sure. And nobody I know would argue that we stop gathering together as Christians to worship and learn and that sort of thing. But as you and I know, Carmen, the phrase going to church has taken on a meaning in modern America that, as you said, ha- often has little to do with learning to follow Jesus. It can have to do with uh, denominational distinctives, or it could have to do with the worship, or it could have to do with the great speaker or whatever. But it sometimes just gets disconnected from 
its purpose, as you said, in helping people follow Jesus and dis- discover their gifts and discover their callings and and be the people of God in the world. Um, I, I say in the forward to this book that I discovered the phrase, the aims of Jesus, probably 20 years ago from a book that Tom Wright wrote. And I remember thinking when I read that aims plural? What is that? Like, didn't Jesus just come to die for us so that we can go to heaven? And then we go to church, you know, between now and heaven. But as you start exploring that which Jesus was conscious of, what he thought the Father was in, doing in and through him, then we discover lots of reasons uh, or lots of elements of being Christian of which church is one. Mm. So good. It's so good. All right. Um, for those of you whose appetites are already whetted and you are thinking to yourself, I really want a copy of What Jesus Intended, Finding True Faith in the Rubble of Bad Religion. We are giving away copies today. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484. Um, Todd, we just brought on a whole new network of stations in Missouri. And so this mm-hmm. is the first time on this program that they've heard that. So let me just say again to our brand new listeners in Missouri, sometimes we give away books, and today we're doing that. The book uh, is What Jesus Intended, Finding True Faith in the Rubble of Bad Religion. Here's how you enter the drawing. You text the word book, nothing else. Don't add anything to that. No exclamation point. No commentary about why you need a copy. Just the word book to 877-933-2484. You'll get a little bounce back uh, form that you can fill out right there on your phone to enter the drawing. So, uh, Todd, uh, cast the vision. Tell us, uh, well, I want you to cast the vision, but then I also want you to like, tell us where it's happening or how we can experience and participate in it because that's really our heart's desire. Yeah. So the vision is this. I, I just have genuine empathy for people who feel hurt disillusioned, you know, abandoned by whatever. They just have issues with church. I I just have genuine love for them. And I say in the book, Carmen, that though I've been a Christian leader now going on 50 years, there was a period of time, I forget, maybe it was in the late 90s, early 2000s, where my wife is Debbie, where there was a couple of years where we were kind of Mm -hmm. de-churched. And the best thing we could do was go to a small home group, a contemplative group, and they really helped, you know, keep the thread of faith uh, going through our lives. And so I have deep empathy. And what I try to show in this book is that Jesus didn't like bad religion either, and that he stood firmly against it, and that he didn't go with the cultural elements of his day, like maybe the Herodians or the Zealots who wanted to overthrow, you know, Rome with power, or the the Qumran sect who just wanted to flee society and say to heck with it. And so what I try to do in this book is just is do what I always do myself, frankly, when when I feel hurt or disillusioned, is I take myself back to Jesus and what did he think was going on? And then that re-anchors me to everything, as as I say, including church. I love your your uh your invitation for me to resist the temptation of the Herodians, the zealots, mm. um, and 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 Qumran. Like, right, I yeah. see I see those today. I that is a that is a yeah. <clears throat> I see them. Um, yeah. Can you can you help us either discover where this is already happening around us, yeah. or how we can initiate this kind of thing in our own communities? 
Yeah, it is happening around us. Um, and as soon as we all stop to think about it, we would realize that's true, that there's so much beauty and good in the church. Like right now for me, it's 741 Central Time uh, in the morning. And so I don't know what time it would be all around the globe. But if there's 2.7 billion Christians approximately in the world, I can guarantee us right now, Carmen, that there are hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of acts of kindness and generosity and goodness happening right this minute around the globe by Christians who are caring for people. But that never gets the headlines, right? The headlines are fallen leaders or the, you know, the the last, you know, study that shows how the church is shrinking. So in my book, every chapter ends with a a hopeful story of a church mm-hmm. who's who's doing this well. So here's what I would say. If you're in a church that you feel like they're not taking Jesus serious in the way I explain in my book, then just do something really simple. Start a book club, start a home group, um, start a start a discipleship cohort. And you don't have to yell at the church. You don't have to, you know, make a big fuss about it. Just do something positive with a small group of people to start with. Um, you could even start a little group of two or three people at at work who you gather at lunch and 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 you read together and think and pray and encouraging each other. Um towards Christ-likeness, because, you know, I work in the church, I've worked in the church my whole life, I'm not down on the church, but there is so much other activity in the church that isn't specifically pointed to trying to align with Jesus that we have to create ways that we can do it ourselves. That's so good. Um, You are um, helping folks do that. Um, I'd love for you to talk about... um, some of some of the ways maybe that this conversation is connected to what you're doing at the Center for Formation, Justice, and Peace, mm-hmm. um, and maybe how this is connected to planting churches through the Churches for the Sake of Others Network. Yeah, would we uh, when we plant churches, uh, Churches for the Sake of Others is the diocese of which I'm bishop, and when we plant churches, we say that we're actually creating outposts of Jesus's person and power in a broken world. So even our church planting, though we happen to be Anglicans, we're, we're not thinking of brands like we're planting an Anglican church, not a Lutheran one or Presbyterian or Baptist or something. We don't think in that way. We think that we're trying to establish beachheads of the kingdom that Jesus taught and embodied in his person and demonstrated in his deeds of power. That's what's central to us as we plant churches. And in the Center for Formation, Justice, and Peace, it's the same sort of thing. We're trying to, those words are in order for a reason. We're trying to form ourselves in Christlikeness so that we would then naturally and intuitively be agents of justice and healing in our broken world. And that that then is what is the only hope uh, towards lasting peace. So, So Jesus and the kingdom he taught and embodied and demonstrated is at the heart of everything we do, Carmen. And that's and that's a big part of what I talk about in this book when I talk about centering Jesus. Wow. Okay, so that's very exciting. Um, and, um, you know, people tend to think of dioceses as being geographically centered or geographically mm-hmm. located. And so when you say that you're the bishop of a diocese and the diocese is churches for the sake of others, you know, everybody mm-hmm. is like, okay, well, that's different. That just in and of itself, yeah. that's different. So um, yeah. that's exciting. But- Look at you knowing some Anglicanism there. Oh. <laughs> yeah, just oh, it know, just so happens. I know me, just so, <laughs> I know me some Anglicans. <laughs> <laughs> so it just so happens that we started out as a church planning movement, and therefore, yes, I have churches all over America, from coast to coast and north north to south. Yeah, 
That's so fun. It's so fun. All right, we're going to continue our conversation um, with Bishop Todd Hunter, not a bishop with a big hat, but a bishop um, who is seeking to not only plant churches for the sake of others, but really helping, uh, desires to help us see the aims of Jesus and then apply the aims of Jesus in our own lives. So what are the aims of Jesus? How, how do you know? And then how do you walk in those ways? The book is What Jesus Intended, Finding True Faith in the Rubble of Bad Religion. We're giving away copies today to enter that drawing. Text the word BOOK to 877-933-2484. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. All right, those of you asking on the text line, you know, which which kind of Anglicanism is this? Um, yeah, so, you know, let's maybe we don't get into all that. Maybe that's not the point. But the ACNA is uh, is what you'd be looking for. Um, you know, our friends, we talk to them frequently across a range of topics. Uh, Todd Hunter is with us today. We're talking about Todd's new book, What Jesus Intended, Finding True Faith in the Rubble of Bad Religion. Uh, you're listening right now and you have, you've become frustrated with the church. You, maybe you still go quote unquote, but you don't feel like you are an integral, necessary, functional part. Um, Maybe you're even in a quote unquote good church, Um, you know, right theology, good preaching. But as we've been talking with Jeff Christofferson about, you're not in a church that um, uh, where people are actually activated, you know, presentationalism is dominant or um, or one of those other isms that we've been talking about. And you know you want to be more on Jesus's behalf in the world. You know Jesus is more and Jesus has more for other people. That's this conversation. And it's a conversation that is filled with hope, even though it does take into account and recognizes the many, many challenges that we as Christians face um, in a post-truth and even post-denominational culture today. So Todd, um, Maybe tell us a story that, you know, as you say, each chapter ends with a story. Each chapter also Mm -hmm. ends with this invitation to apply the aims of Jesus in our lives. So maybe tell one of those stories. Well, uh, this may be in the last chapter. There's a church here. I live in uh, greater Nashville in Franklin, and there's a a church here that uh, in the um, Nashville area called Journey Church. And they have organized their whole Sunday service around what are people really thinking? What do they want to know? How can we make a space for these nuns and duns and skeptics? And it's so beautiful. You know, there's some worship, as you would think of normal sung worship. Um, There's always a, a really great message. And then believe it or not, they stop and let people ask questions. See, about the text, about what was <laughs> said. It's amazing. 
and they do it really well. And and what I like about it is that it's centered on people's you know real journey, and the Bible teaching is outstanding and completely orthodox. Um, but nevertheless, they ask how you know what do you think or feel, much like you would on an alpha course. You know what do you think or feel about what you just heard? What is it? What does it do to you? How does it move you? What questions does it arise? And I've only been there a couple of times because obviously I work on Sundays, um, but my daughter goes there and I've been a couple of times with her and it is remarkable. And I tell that story in that book. And I tell it here because they are precisely making space for those who have been in the rubble of bad religion and they do it in a really welcoming, winsome way. I love it. Okay. When you say you work on Sundays, Mm -hmm. can you unpack that for us? What, yeah, what normally that on? means, yeah, normally it means I'm traveling to one of our churches and mm-hmm. uh, speaking or teaching myself or doing confirmations or ordinations, those bishopy sort of things. But with no hat and no cape. No, I, I have other nope. sorts of vestments, but not those. <laughs> don't tell anybody because some people <laughs> would be upset about that. Oh no, no, it's a, it's a, your your secret is very safe with the the <laughs> yes. With our audience yeah. here, mm-hmm. with you and me, it's just you and me. It's just yeah, you and me. That's, that's the right. that's the beauty yeah. of radio. Um, <laughs> well, and the reason that I ask is because if worship is the work of every member of the body, mm-hmm. then um, when you quote work on Sunday, that's really mm-hmm. what you're talking about. And when yeah. I and therefore I, as a layperson, I work on Sunday. I I mm-hmm. go and I I render to God. Yes, right. Um, what is due his like he's worthy. Mm-hmm. He's worthy yes. of my of my presence, my the, mm-hmm. the bringing of my gifts, um, my seeking to um, know what he has already spoken that I might um, walk that out in my life. And so um, I just I wanted to lift that up because I do think that there are times that we imagine that, you know, quote unquote, pastors and those kinds of people work on Sundays. Yeah, but the rest of us right. don't. We just sit and yeah. soak. And that's not mm-hmm. true. I'm there to work as well. Correct. Yeah, and of course, that especially comes through in Anglican liturgy. There's so much participation. But here's what I think you're you're talking about, Carmen, the things that I think that you and your audience care about, is let's, let's, let me put it differently, that I don't work on Sundays. I express the gifts that God has given me, the particular gifts in the particular spaces. But you're right. My particular, my particularity is not like ultimate, everybody listening to us has a particularity, a space and place in which they move and have their being. And they, that's the places where they're um, expected to use their gifts. I'll bet that for you, I'm just betting that one of your favorite passages, and I know it is mine, is at the end of the Gospel of John, where Jesus breathes on the disciples and says, receive the Holy Spirit, and then says, even as the Father sent me. So now think of my book, Aims, Intentions, Purpose. Even as the Father sent me with those aims, those intentions, those purposes, so I send you. And then he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit, the person of the Spirit who brings the fruit and the gifts. And so the whole church is sent into this amazing kingdom of God that Jesus came to express and teach and demonstrate and then invited us to find our life within it. And that's what I try to show in this book. How can we find our life in the kingdom following Jesus so that we're not looking at Jesus through the lens of the church, but we're looking at the church through the lens of what Jesus intended. So good. The language that, um, 
you know, we we float here very often um, is is the language of being an ambassador, you know, and yes. just recognizing mm-hmm. that right, we're called to walk our faith out yeah. into the world that God so loves and to be a provisional mm-hmm. demonstration of the king and the kingdom. And um, that, you know, that is expressed in myriad ways. Um, and so, yeah, the this language of kingdom advancement always and in all ways mm-hmm. um, yeah. is, so, is so good and so helpful. And yes, you and I are are clearly aligned. And so mm. we must, we must also meet. So there you go. Yes. Um, yes. This, this, this I will make happen somewhere on okay, the 96 you, corridor between me and okay. you. Okay. All um, right. We'll yeah. Do it. So it's so great. It's wonderful, wonderful to meet you today. Um, and I, we are, yes, we are aligned and this is, this is so good and so helpful and so rich and such a blessing. And I'm so glad we've got copies of the book to give away. What Jesus Intended, Finding True Faith in the Rubble of Bad Religion. Todd Hunter is the author. If you'd like to enter the drawing for the copies we have to give away today, just text the word book to 877-933-2484. And Todd, next time you talk with our mutual friend, Foley Beach, please give him my affection. Okay, thank you, Carmen. Such a dear friend. All right, thank you so much. That's Todd Hunter. He's going to be back. He doesn't know it yet, but... um, Yes, I I see in our future ongoing conversations. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. All right, what fun, right? What fun for you and I as friends to make a new friend who's a friend of Jesus. Like, this is how it happens. And so thrilled today to... Uh, to meet our brother Todd Hunter, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm making a list, and I and he's on it. There you go. So, uh, who's on your list? Who is helping you keep the thread of faith in your life? Who is helping you walk your faith out into the world and to do so in ways that honor Jesus? Who's tethering you to the body? Like, uh, who who are those people? And maybe not only pray for them today, but tell them. Tell them today, hey, you know what? I'm thankful for you. You are keeping me tethered to the word. You're keeping me tethered um, to the things of God. And yes, I mean, I know God is holding you fast. Absolutely. But, you know, there's some flesh on that hand from time to time, right? And so who who are those people? Who have those people been throughout the course of your life who have helped you reconnect to the body when you've become disconnected or um, people who have stood close enough to the fire that you would be snatched out, even at the risk of their, of their getting burned themselves. Like, who have those people been? And are you willing to be that person today for someone else? Are you willing to go close enough to the fire that someone might be snatched from it? And are you willing to walk in dark valleys in order that you might um, walk with people who can't right now see that Jesus is right there? Are you willing to do that? Um. That's going to mean we got to get in proximity to hurting and broken and lost people. And so I want you to consider today um, who that is and where that is and what that means you and I are called to do in obedience. Because once you know, once God has revealed it to you, then the step of faith is a step of obedience. So what does it look like today to walk in obedience? You've been listening to Mornings with Carmen. What a joy to have this time together today. Thank you so very much. It's an honor. It's a privilege. Thank you for the gift of your time. Have a great day and God bless.
Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.